Good to see you this morning. Philippians chapter 3, before we get into the message though this morning, a couple quick things. First of all, great day yesterday for our church picnic. For those of you that could be out there, just a beautiful day. Thank Robert and Dana again for hosting us out at their place yesterday. Don't forget that November the 4th is our Understanding the Bible Seminar. The sign-up sheets today for that is actually on the women's table. So instead of the information table, because Jenna's out there, we're going to introduce her to you later. Um, We put the sign-up sheet for the Understanding the Bible Seminar on the women's table. And you've only got another week to sign up for that. So we pray that you'll make... uh, Avail yourself of that great opportunity to come and learn how to get more out of your time in God's Word. We're going to give you, too, next week an update on the building and all of that. But for those of you that haven't heard yet, the first group heard Wednesday. The second group heard yesterday. So today, I'll just tell you this little nugget. We got the loan. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll tell you a lot more details about that next week, but we've got a lot more to get to today, and we want to get into it. So Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12, we are going to look at this passage on Paul's guide for spiritual growth. And here's why Paul now at this point is going to share with us principles, in a sense, out of his own life of growing in the Lord. Remember last week, he reminded us that Jesus Christ is not just our ticket to heaven. He is the treasure of our hearts. And when you and I truly realize who we have in Jesus Christ, we should spend the rest of our earthly lives, like Paul, seeking to gain Christ. To experience, if you will, the fullness of the treasure that we have in Jesus. That's what he talks about up in chapter 3, verse 8, that I may gain Christ. Now, in no way do I want to devalue or diminish or bring Jesus Christ down in any way by using this illustration, but I'm just trying to give some kind of context here because he is the infinite, immortal God and he doesn't compare to any earthly treasure. But, again, to try to wrap our minds a little bit around this, here, I think, is what Paul is saying and why it's so ludicrous For Christians not to be motivated and inspired every day to gain more of Jesus. It would be just as crazy if you knew that in your backyard was this great treasure chest. And in that treasure chest, it was filled with, you know, gold nuggets. And once you discovered it, you picked one nugget out and you took that and you left the rest buried for the rest of your life. Paul is saying, that's what many Christians do when it comes to their relating to Jesus Christ. It's like they come to know Him as their Savior, they have this great treasure in Jesus, but they never spend any time for the rest of their life truly experiencing the fullness of the treasure that they have. Because they're not interested in growing or maturing or going deeper in their understanding of who Jesus is. So Paul is saying, we've got to know who we have in Jesus Christ and then begin to live to gain more of him every day. How do we do that? Paul gives us five principles in verses 12 through 21 this morning out of Philippians chapter 3. 
First, he says, we've not arrived yet. Second, we should be focused on our progress. Third, we should be relying upon his ability. Fourth, we should be following the right examples. And fifth, we should be living for eternal things. Let's start with verse 12 and the beginning of verse 13. We're not there yet. He says, not that I have already attained this, that I have not already become or been perfected. But I strive to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have attained this. Believers, we are not the fellowship of the arrived. If Paul said, I haven't got there yet, then I don't think any of us have either. Now, Paul would say, look, there is no one that wants to become more like Jesus Christ than I do. But I'm not there yet. And I never will be there yet on this earth. Life for the Christian is a pilgrimage. It is a journey. It is a growth in grace. But none of us ever get to perfection in this life. So, two dead ends to spiritual growth. One is many Christians feeling that sense of sort of complacency and apathy because somehow they've bought into the fact or convinced themselves, I've arrived. I have no struggles. I have no shortcomings. I have nothing to deal with. I've arrived. Can I tell you? Let's push that aside today. Once and for all, there is none of us here today who have arrived. There is none of us here today who have arrived. And in so many churches, this is what really, you know, frustrates me. So many churches even and so many Christians sort of build this environment like we've got to project to everyone around us that we have no struggles, that we have no shortcomings, that we've arrived because somehow, you know, the church is supposed to be this place where we're all perfect. Well, guess what? We're not. And we got to get past that and get over that and start, in a sense, looking at each other in in reality and looking at ourselves in reality and not getting caught up when people fail and make mistakes because we all will. We all will. In fact, can I tell you, I'd be pretty discouraged today as a Christian if where I am now is as far as I ever thought I'd get. You see, that's actually a message of hope to me It's like, I know, it's like, I don't have to stay where I'm at. I I can actually get, get more like Jesus Christ. And one day we have the hope, even from God's word, that when we see him, we shall be like him, for we will see him as he is, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. So there's that. But then there's another dead end that Paul hints at here, and that is perfectionism. Somehow... Living to be perfect all the time. First of all, that's a dead end to spiritual growth. The more you seek to be perfect when God's word says you'll never be perfect in this life will only frustrate you and discourage you in your journey and the process of becoming more like Christ. See the two extremes? Perfectionism and I'm already there. Both dead ends to spiritual growth. 
Paul says, here's what we've got to keep in mind every day of our life. I'm on my way, but I'm never going to be there yet in this life. And we need to start looking at each other that way and looking at ourselves that way because that actually fuels and gives us a good grace environment to really make progress in our walk with God and spiritually grow. Again, if the Apostle Paul maybe the greatest Christian who ever lived, said, I've not arrived yet, brothers and sisters, then I think you and I are pretty safe to say that none of us have arrived yet either. We all have our struggles. We all have our stuff. And we've got to get to the place in our local churches where, in a sense, in in a weird maybe way of saying it, we're all comfortable with not being perfect around each other. You see. And to to allow that and give grace to each other and give grace to ourselves. You know, so many years I've heard the statement, and we've all heard it many times, that, that why many people say they don't come to church or aren't part of a church is, well, those people at that church are hypocrites. Well, guess what? At some time or another, we're all going to be a hypocrite. And if you come to any church, you're going to end up being a hypocrite too. Because none of us are ever going to totally live up to perfection and being perfect and doing it right all the time. Which, why, isn't it interesting that really what Christians should do is, especially with unbelievers who are always looking for you to make one mistake, to make one slip up and then jump on you, oh, you Christians, you're just a bunch of hypocrites, is to remind them, my Bible never told me I'd be perfect. Being a Christian isn't being perfect. It is striving to be more like Jesus every day, but it's about progress. It's never about perfection. So that's number one. Sorry. I got to have the energy for four more. Secondly, we're focused, though, on our progress. Look at the middle of verse 13. Instead, I am single-minded. Forgetting the things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead. With this goal in mind, I strive toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, now look, I've not arrived, but I am focused on my spiritual progress. And there's two main things. There's a lot more. I could have done a whole message on these verses alone. But there's two things I want to point out from these verses today here about focusing on progress. The first is this. Paul is saying, I'm single-minded. Literally in the Greek, it means I, I have one thing before all others in my life. I have one thing above all others in my life. And then you'll notice verse 14, with this goal in mind. In other words, Paul is focused on one thing above everything else in his life. What is it? Becoming more like Jesus Christ. And part of the problem today with many of us as Christians is we are so diverted and so distracted and we never keep to our goal. We never focus on the one thing above everything else that should be the priority of our life. Our priorities are all messed up. Paul is saying, you want to grow? Then make becoming more like Jesus Christ the priority of your life above everything else. And don't let life and the enemy 
And all these other things distract you or divert you from that one thing above all other things. That's what Jesus said when he said, seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, 33. I mean, over and over again, the Bible talks about this. And yet so many of us, we wonder why we sort of flop around and, and struggle and we just sort of you know, try to grope through life rather than grabbing life and going where God wants to go. It's because we're not like Paul. We're not single-minded. We're double-minded. We're triple-minded. We're quadruple-minded. And we actually take pride in it. Look at all the multitasking that I can do. And in all that multitasking... As a Christian, is the one thing above all others your goal of becoming more like Jesus every day? So that, that's one thing. And then the second thing here about focusing on our progress is Paul says, you and I as Christians have got to quit looking in the rearview mirror of our life. We have got to put the past behind us, good and bad. Now he uses the word of the translation here as forgetting the things behind me. It doesn't mean God doesn't expect us as human beings to be able to physically forget things. Because humanly, we can't physically forget our past. But what the word means is, I can choose not to focus on my past. And again, too many Christians, the reason why they're not moving forward in their Christian life is because they're so focused on the good old days, the things that used to be, or they're, they're, they can't get past some failure or, or some, you know, season in their life where they really tanked and it keeps coming up. And they keep focusing on it and, and sort of uh, obsessing about it. And Paul is, if, if anybody had a past, it was Paul. Remember, he persecuted the church. He had Christians murdered. How do you like to have that on your conscience? And yet Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I accept and receive God's forgiveness for all of my sin. And I'm moving forward. Are you moving forward? Are you reaching out, like Paul said, for the things that are ahead? I love that word. Paul's saying, I literally extend. I am stretching out for these things. Because guess what? It takes effort and energy on our part. And again, so often, even as Christians, we can pour our energy and effort into so many other things. But Paul says, the one thing I'm going to save myself for above everything else is making sure that I have enough energy and effort and time every day to be more like Jesus. To make progress in my spiritual walk. To see myself growing and maturing Day after day. Again, never perfection. We're never going to arrive, but we can work towards progress every day, and that should be true of all of us. Third, notice what Paul says there at the end of verse 14. He says, I strive toward the prize of the upward call of God. Notice these next words, in Christ Jesus. If you mark your Bible, mark those three words. They're very important because they are teaching us the third principle of Paul's guide for growth. Beyond we're not there yet and we should be focused on our progress, the third principle is we are relying upon God's ability and not our own. That's what it means to be in Christ Jesus. He's saying, I'm not striving in my own power and strength. 
I am striving within the grace and power and strength that Jesus Christ supplies to me every day. Only God can transform a life by his supernatural and almighty power. Which is why then if you go over to verse 21 of chapter 3, notice these very important words. Paul says one day we get to look forward to having even our bodies physically transformed by Jesus Christ, into the likeness of his glorious body, by means, don't miss this next phrase, of that power by which he is able to subject some things to himself. No, all things to himself. And again, if you mark your Bible, mark these three very important words there that Paul says, he is able. Paul says there is nothing in the universe that is not subject to Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus Christ is over all things. He has the power to subject, to bring under his power and authority all things in the universe. So that means as you and I are seeking to grow, part of where we again fall short is we try really hard, but we try in our own power and our own strength. And Paul's saying, you'll never get there. Too many Christians, we're trying really hard, but we're trying in our own power and strength. And Paul says, you and I as Christians have to learn the secret is that I'm putting forth effort. It's not I sit back and let God do it all. We've just already seen that. I'm reaching out. I'm striving, Paul said. But in the midst of all my effort, I know that God will more than match my effort that he sees in me with his power and strength. In other words, it's a, it's a cooperative venture here. It, it's where God and, and his you know, power complements our effort and it works together. But God's not going to pour his power and strength and all of his might into a Christian who just sits back in his easy chair and says, God, you just got to do everything for me. But when God begins to see a Christian who realizes I'm not there yet and I'm not trying to be perfect, but I'm certainly also not complacent and apathetic. I've got more of this treasure to gain in this life and I'm going to work towards making progress in my life. I guarantee you this, you will find all the power and strength from God that you need, which is why then Paul later on in Philippians 4.13 makes that very famous statement, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, the strength and power of Paul's life in progressing was the supernatural power that came from a God who is always able. Do you believe God is able today? Then if we believe that he is able and we believe that all things in the universe are subject to him, that he is the Lord, he is the authority of the universe, then you and I can bring anything and everything to him knowing that he will have the strength and power to give us the ability and the capacity to keep moving forward no matter what. To overcome every obstacle. To meet every challenge. To face every giant. He is able. The fourth principle. Paul also says, if you and I are going to grow, we've got to adopt the mindset that we're not there yet, but we are focused on our progress, and we are relying on God's ability And then in verse 17 of chapter 3, we're following the right examples. 
Because Paul's here talking to church people. He's not comparing unbelievers to believers. He's saying even within the church, there are good examples and there are bad examples. And notice some of the things he says about the bad Christian examples here. Verse 17. First of all, he says, follow me. Be imitators of me, brothers and sisters. Now, hold on there. Did you catch what Paul's just saying there? He's saying, follow me. Even though what? I know I'm not perfect. See, part of the dynamic that keeps Christians from truly stepping up and serving and even putting themselves out there is because they bought into the thing of, I've got to be perfect before I can be any kind of leader or serve in any capacity. Paul's saying, first of all, to the Philippians, I've not arrived yet, and you all know it. Because guess what? I know that you haven't arrived yet either. But I am working towards progressing and becoming more like Jesus every day. And because I'm working towards progressing to that point, I'm willing to put myself out there and say to you, follow me. And I'm going to say the same thing to you today. You know, at least I hope you know, Jeff Royce is not perfect. I have not arrived yet. But I'm going to tell you as your pastor, follow me as I seek to become more like Jesus every day. So that's the first thing. But then he goes on to say, and watch carefully those who are living this way, just as you have us as an example. For many live about whom I have told you often and now tell you even with tears. The reason why Paul's shedding tears is because he's talking here now about Christians who are terrible examples to their brothers and sisters. Why? He says, because they are literally enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they exalt in their shame and they think about earthly things. That doesn't mean they're going to lose their salvation. It does mean that they're going to experience loss come the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. And notice how Paul describes them. Why are they such bad examples compared to him? Because I want you to focus, especially on that one phrase, they mind earthly things. The reason they are such bad examples as Christians is because they are living for the here and now. For them, it's all about this life and what this life can bring. It's all about what this world can give them. And let me say this, in my opinion, and I want to use this as a warning, in my opinion, The majority of ministries that you see on television and the majority of Christian literature that you will find in Christian bookstores today are nothing more than this kind of philosophy. It is the philosophy of, I'm going to teach you how to use your Lord to gain the world. And that is a philosophy and teaching that comes from the very pits of hell. And yet it is very prevalent today in our modern Christianity. You'll hear it in churches all over the place. And you'll hear it on TV and you'll read it in books. Use the Lord to gain the world. I don't want the world. The world has nothing to offer me. In fact, the Word of God says, do not love the world nor the things that are in the world. 
If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. Because all that is in the world, the desire of the eyes, the desire of the flesh, and the arrogance that's produced by material possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And you know that the world and all its desires are passing away. Only the one who does the will of God will remain forever. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. I don't want my best life now. I'm looking forward to the life to come. Don't buy into that. Why, thank you. My daughter, my daughter feels sorry for her dad. Thank you. You didn't need to, but thank you. These people are used to me preaching with gravelly voices. Nicole, I promise I won't spill this on your keyboard. If I do, I'll buy you a new one. All right. One final one. Verse 20. The the final guide to growth. We're living for eternal things, which again is the contrast of what he just said. Notice the contrast between minding earthly things. And then in verse 20, he says, but a Christian who's growing is living for eternal things. Because he reminds us that our citizenship is in heaven and we're waiting for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our citizenship is really at. That's where our home is at. And in a sense, Paul is saying, you want to grow? Start being homesick for your real home. Start living for eternity and investing in eternal things rather than the things of the world that are going to pass away. Paul says, put your investment in those things, you see. Paul said to the Colossians, set your affection on things above, not things on the earth. Colossians 3, verse 2. Jesus himself said, do not accumulate for yourselves treasures on the earth. For where moth and rust will destroy it, and where thieves can break in and steal it. Jesus said, rather, accumulate for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth nor rust can ever destroy it, and where thieves can never break in and steal it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, Jesus wants our heart with him there, not here. I fear that so many Christians, instead of praying, Our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, are praying, Our Father who art in heaven, help me build my kingdom here and my will be done. And Paul's saying, if you and I want to grow, we have got to start investing in eternal things rather than getting caught up in living for the temporal, material things that one day will pass away and we can't take them with us and they are of no eternal value whatsoever. Whatsoever. And that's why he goes on to remind us that if we are really looking for our Savior to come from heaven to receive us to himself, that it should make a difference in the way you and I live and the perspective with which we live life here before us today 
is to me the greatest Christian who ever lived and his guide for our growth. Paul is saying, do you realize the treasure that we have in Jesus Christ? He's not just our ticket to heaven. He's the treasure of our heart. And therefore, we should live every day seeking to gain and experience the fullness of this treasure that we have in Jesus. How do we do that? Paul says, first of all, we've got to adopt the mentality. I'm not there yet. Stop trying to be perfect. That's a dead end. But also, start realizing that you're not there yet. There's things still to work on all the time throughout our life on earth. But second, we must be focused on our progress and stay focused rather than always getting diverted and detoured and distracted. As we do it, Paul says, rely on the God who is able, on his ability and power to do it. Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Not by anything within him, but by the grace of God, Paul said, I am what I am. That's a person who learned to rely on the Lord to make the progress. Fourth, he says, follow the right examples in your life. And in a sense, he's saying, be the right example for others in our life. Because many aren't. Many are all wrapped up in this world and the things of this world and the here and now rather than eternal things. And then finally, he says, live for eternal things. Recognize that our citizenship is truly in heaven and that we should be investing and laying up treasure for eternity every day of our lives. Let me leave you with one passage of scripture. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there and follow with me, it's 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning at verse 17. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning at verse 17, Paul says, Command those who are rich in this world's goods not to be haughty or to set their hope on riches which are uncertain, but on God who richly provides us with all things for our enjoyment. Tell them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous givers, sharing with others. And notice verse 19. In this way, they will save up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the future and so lay hold of what is truly life. Remember, our study of Philippians is Paul saying, the only way to live and die is this way. For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. So Paul has told us today, here's the way to live and die. Here's the only way to do it. Here's the only way to really experience true life. And Paul told Timothy, tell your people, command your people, invest in eternal things. Live for eternity, not for the here and now. This world and all the stuff in it is one day going to pass away. How can we invest in eternal things today, this week, this month? this year. Let's stand, please, and pray. God, I pray today that as a church and as individuals within this church body, that after hearing this message from your word today, that every last one of us would commit ourselves or recommit ourselves to the spiritual growth of our life. What does that mean for us? How do we respond? How do we apply this message to us? What can we do this day, this week, this month, this year coming up 
to make sure that we are continuing to make progress in our spiritual walk with you. What's that look like for us? As we sing this song, take my life and let it be. God, would you use this song and the words of this song to just reinforce whatever kind of commitment, decision, choice, application we want to make as we respond to you today, as you have spoken to us through your word and by your Holy Spirit. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.